Join Ian Garnick as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world, reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape your future, and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. All right, folks, part of our EOS series, I've got Ben Guest. Ben, thanks for being on. Oh, it's great to be on. Thank you for having me. And we're going to talk today about your unique differentiator and how he helped Hubbard Supply grow by finding this a family-owned business, uh, the problems with it, how it's difficult. It's simple but not easy. Why you need to find your three uniques, how they went about testing it, and as well as how they went about finding the vision. This is brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. One of the best ways to learn more about your unique differentiators is to interview your customers. Go to VideoCaseStory.com where we can help you interview them, create them, craft them, and deliver them. All right, let's get started. We're going to talk about a, a supply company that's helped to grow. We're talking about uh, overcoming hurdles and some things that you can do. But before we get started, Ben, tell me a little bit about your EOS journey. Sure. So my EOS journey really began, uh, I was a part of our family-owned business, a Taco Bell franchisee. Uh, and we were experiencing some, some tremendous growth. Blessed to have that kind of growth. And we grew into about eight new different markets and grew from eight locations to 35 locations, 1,000 employees. Wow. Uh, needless to say, we, we had a lot of hurdles. We had to jump and we, we had our many issues we dealt with. And it was a family-owned business, a multi-generational family-owned business. So I think what I learned in that from all the mentors was, was you know, just how to learn and, and keep iterating and finding the right way through. And it was during that time I kind of searched out, you know, where could we find ways to break through the ceiling? And I happened to find EOS or traction and read the book. And then I actually connected with another implementer, Walt Brown, who's a dear friend and, and still an implementer in the community. And uh, he, he helped me kind of understand more about it and, and get into the community and start coaching. So I, I started coaching along with continuing to lead our family business. That's fantastic. And, and that's great to be. I love the stories of people that did this, you know, did it themselves and then go to help others, right? And, and it's not just, it's kind of like Gino's story. It's, you know, I hear that people so often do this. So what do you feel was the most powerful part of EOS for you in your family business? Yeah, I think what was very powerful for me is that um, we have three boys. And when we were experiencing all that growth, our third son was born. He had a very rare disease that we had to deal with. And it, it kind of sent our family into a little bit of a turmoil, kind of a, a, a we, well, we couldn't figure it out. That's just the best way to put it. We had to rely on our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ for a lot of guidance and help and support. And what I loved about EOS at that time was it was able to help me create a system and a process to give me the freedom to be there for my family while we were running the business. So I think, you know, we call it the EOS life, time to pursue other passions. But uh, there, there was a lot going on. So I think just the clarity it brings you as a leader and how we're able to use that with other teams. So that that really is what drives me is, how do I help owners right, gain enough control of their business that they can be there for the other parts of their lives that are so important? That's amazing. And so, and then you start to help other companies and, and we're talking a little bit about Hubbard Supply. 
do you help them? Tell me about what they were like when they came to you and how you helped them. Sure. So interesting story. I knew I knew the the leader Wilson Tichi, uh, an owner way before I started EOS. Actually, I used to do business with what was called Hubbard Pipe and Supply. They're now Hubbard Supply, and so I introduced EOS when I was early in the journey, and uh, Wilson was not quite ready. It was about three years to the day that I shared it with him that he came to me and goes, Ben, we're ready. And I said, what does that mean? He says, I need a leadership team. And so he had really been running a business of almost 200 employees on his own. And and really everyone was a direct report straight to him, so to speak. And so the issue for him was he needed a leadership team he could depend on. And so that's how we started the journey is we had our 90 minute meeting and and his 15-person leadership team at the time is what started. And so uh, we had a quite large crowd for the 90-minute meeting. And so you helped them grow, you were saying, and, and experience growth. What were the first things when you – was growth the thing that they needed the most or was it just cleaning things up? Well, I, yeah, so I, they had – first of all, their business has an amazing reputation. And, and really their customer are plumbers who both – construct houses. They also do maintenance um, and builders in the community. So they had this great reputation and they were just hitting the ceiling where they had the growth there. They just didn't have the team to support it or the clarity. So I think what, what Wilson really wanted to do is get clear on who owned what and who could he rely on? What should that leadership team look like? So I think first he realized that he had to slow down and build a cohesive leadership team. Um, and so that was really our first order of business was how do we build that and create clarity of where he wants to go, what the other leaders could see as well, and how could we put that into a clear plan um, to make that vision a reality? Uh, and then we just started rolling it out, right? And it, it took a while, but the first order of business was he just needed a team. He knew he couldn't do it alone. He was the one holding the company back. So you start to roll out, you start to build the leadership team now. You know, one thing, there are the different parts like proven process and a marketing plan and marketing strategy. How, you know, for a plumbing supply company, it seems pretty straightforward. Did you have to go through all that stuff with them? You really did. They have so many moving parts. I mean, they, um, their business, like, well, most businesses, I think when we finally boil it down to, to, to the necessities or, or the basics, they are pretty simple. But we're dealing with people in processes that we can overcomplicate it really quickly. So I think for them, what happened is they'd experienced so much growth over the years. Uh, they had seven locations and, and, and there was just a lot of logistics involved. And so I think uh, we did need to go through that because I think we had, by the time we narrowed the team down from 15 or 16 to about seven, uh, there were seven different visions on the table. And we really needed to get that into one unified vision and one unified plan. Um, and they knew they wanted to go out and acquire and grow because they felt like they had a culture that they could take to the world. But they, until they got their house in order, there was no way they were going to be able to do that. Interesting. Yeah, because I think a lot of people think that it's just grow, 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 right? And not, hey, you've got to fix some of these problems before you can grow. And I think on the flip side, too, there's people that are, you know, the trying to fix the problems before trying to grow. So you, you've got to balance those two, obviously, didn't you? Well, we did. I mean, I think when you look at Patrick Lencioni talks about it, 
uh, in his book, The Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive. I mean, it's building the team, but then what, what the employees need and what they really demand, what, what they need is they need clarity. And so I think it was trying to help us understand what were the clarity of roles and who was going to do what. Uh, it was where we were going and what priorities were, were. But I think the biggest breakthrough we made, and, and, and Wilson even said in his own words, you know, when we started EOS, they had a lot of sales goals and numbers and they were dreams. Okay, they seem really good and they fall for them, but they were just dreams on a piece of paper. What we were able to do with EOS is build those into true measurables and weekly goals that could be hit and the team believed they could hit. And so we created a lot of autonomy and freedom uh, which which gave the opportunity for everybody to start sharing their ideas and opportunities they saw. So I think the thing is he had so much power in all his people, it just we couldn't release it yet. So I think EOS helped bring an avenue or a vehicle where we could continue to reinforce the vision and the plan and get them engaged in it. You know, it's interesting you said there was so multi you know, clarity and vision and reinforcing the vision, but we didn't talk about how you how did you make all those visions into one vision? And what I found too is, you know, people say they have a vision, but it's each person probably wasn't even very clear. They had a general idea of it, but they can't write it down. So you've got these vague visions all over the place. How did you bring all that together? Sure. So I think the most powerful thing about EOS is that, you know, first we focus on focus on, on working as a team. And so we started out the journey with, thinking about how we wanted to structure the company for the next evolution or the next level of the company. So we had a lot of tough discussions and honest discussions about what the structure should look like. Um, and so that was the accountability chart. We clarified roles. Um, and that really got us understanding who really needed to sit at the helm and be on the leadership team. Um, after we did that, that really led us into, okay, well, if this is the structure, then what are our key priorities to help us get there and start getting the business moving, right? We set those level tens up where our level tens are calling weekly tactical meetings where we're just keeping the parties front and center and we're tackling issues that come up and keep us from, from meeting our rocks and getting our objectives clear. So we did that and, and started setting these scorecard numbers. And what happened was the team started realizing how well they were working together. And so now people were willing to share their vision. And we had to get together and really have some tough conversations, honest conversations, I think, about where could the company go? Uh, and by the way, everything they do is to the glory of the God. They're a, they're a Christ-centered business. So they, they really try to treat it and steward it the way they believe the Lord would. And so there were a lot of good conversations of how they treat their people, how they treat and, and grow the community and how they can grow. And so uh, it was a lot of, of uh, good discussion and debate, you know, clarifying our core values, um, where they wanted to go. And then just be honest about, you know, with the revenue and cash flow they were generating, you know, what were the opportunities they could take advantage of early and would really support the team and really build inward first, which then allowed us to go and do some acquisitions, which um, is another really cool stage of their business. But it was all about them the first year or two years. It was really like, how do we get our ducks in order, ducks in a row? And so once you start to clarify, tell me about clarifying that vision and then how you translate that into a go-to-market strategy. 
sure. So one of the big key concepts we really wanted to figure out, so, so clarifying the vision, you know, we first had to sit down and find out what were our unifying core values. Um, and, and we really, we solidified those and narrowed those down so that people knew how to act and think. And, and really that's what drove the company. Um, they realized that their target market was service plumbers primarily. Um, and they had tried to go in the direct to consumer market, but they realized that's just a, it's a bloodbath, I guess, so to speak. And, and they realized instead of tackling that, it would be better for them to really focus on how they service their bread and butter, butter, um, you know, smaller service plumbers, um, who really, they want a high level of inventory on hand all the time, which is a unique differentiator for, for Hubbard Supply. They keep really good levels of inventory. for So when these service planners need it, they have it. It's no downtime. Uh, and they really understand how their business runs. So they, they really made their go-to-market strategy very unique for their target market. Um, and these were things that they had built over many years. So it wasn't like they had to reinvent it. I think they just started going to the market and really showing who they really were and differentiate themselves from their competition. Nice. And so tell me about the, the growth that they experienced once they got this all rocking and rolling. They really had been looking for opportunities. So, so Wilson and many of the team members are involved in a lot of the um, groups where wholesale plumbers all come together and help each other out and, buying groups and things of that nature. So they had kind of had their pulse on the market for a while and had a lot of great conversations going with other wholesale plumbers, um, other business owners, and they were they had been building trust for many years. So they kind of had an eye on some markets they would like to go into and just started having those conversations. And what was nice is now that we had them running on EOS, we could really look through the mergers and acquisitions of these companies in a very strategic and cultural way um, to make sure that they fit our culture first and that there'd be a nice strategic fit. In fact, it was so powerful that one of the first acquisitions they went to make, they got down to like, I don't know, the 12th hour or 11th hour. And they decided, you know what, when they had finally opened up all the books and seen everything, and they had really worked through our, our a tool we have. It was just not a good fit. And he said in, in past years, they would have pulled that trigger and it would have been a nightmare. Um, and at the same time, when they made the second uh, target acquisition they were looking for, it was a home run, cultural fit, a lot of synergies. They had a different target market than they currently had. And so we were able to really take Ruling Supply, which was in another market, and really codify their secret sauce as we had Hubbard's secret sauce. And then when we were ready, we just overlaid them. And what was great is they both had some strategic synergies and they both grew into different markets and areas they'd never seen and understood before. So it was really, it was really, really cool acquisition. That's cool. That's awesome. I mean, I think that's an interesting piece too, because uh, you know, a lot of people grow by acquisition, but they don't, they think of certain details. They don't think of culture. They don't think of Mark, you know, secret sauce. Like you said, it's more, oh, do, do they have 
what we want or to get into a market, like you said, but not necessarily putting it together. And being able to make those decisions is so important. I, I think it's so, so important. And like you're saying about the vision is so important. So, you know, when you're talking about that, though, the unique differentiators, and I think this is an important thing, how does someone go about an EOS finding unique differentiators that are not A, unique, but also B, you know, important to the market? Because I could make up a differentiator like, hey, I'm 6'6", no one cares, right? <laughs> oh, that's very true. So what we have a very unique process that I think is 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 very simple, but what we really ask our clients to do and what Hubbard Supply did is they they looked at their current clients. So they took all the clients that they, they do business with. And what we really started to ask ourselves is, of all those people they do business with, who do they really love doing business with? Who do they think they could really be the hero to and they're uniquely suited to serve? So the first thing was is to try to figure out what was the top 20% or who were the ones that if we could put to a cloning machine, life would be very good. Okay. And we also thought about the bottom 20%, the ones that cause us 80% of the issues and, and, and really, you know, keep us up at night, so to speak. And so we use those two distinctions to try to figure out first, who is our target market? Like who are we ideally suited to serve? Who do we want to be unique to? So I think that's the first thing that has to be set in place. And then once we knew that, we really had to be honest with ourselves with, with those people and go, what are they really asking for? What, why do they come to Hubbard? And what is it that we do unique that really makes a difference in their lives and their businesses? And so we came up with probably 15, 20 different ideas. And I love what you said. A lot of them are unique. And so every comp competitor they had did them. What we really tried to prove to them is let's pick three that are the most unique. And maybe a competitor shares one, maybe we have a competitor shares two, but they can't share all three. Um, and ideally we try to get them to where they're all unique. And then we really test the language and the wording and description around those with our clients. And we hone them down until we're using clients' words that when we say it, it evokes emotion and want and desire. So it's it's an evolution. It takes time, but that's kind of the process we go through. You know, it's interesting because that's you know we, we do video case stories and when we do them, that's what we find, right? And and everyone goes through the process and they're like, and when we start when you start talking to your customers, you, it transforms how you look at your business, doesn't it? It does. Even we even challenge them. I love that you said that. Not only does it transform your business, it changes your mindset and thinking. And, and what we tell them to do is this isn't it's not a one and done every year. Why don't you go back and reevaluate who is your top 20 now, who your bottom 20? Like, is it changing you? Is that changing? Could you make it better? So it's you know, the hope is you may never you may not change it all the time, but keep evaluating to watch and see. Could you be more unique? Could you could you set yourself apart even more? So I think it, it is something we create. And I love what you said. It changes the whole way you see business. And it makes your life better. I mean, it's just it's more fun. <laughs> it does. And more profitable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's funny because we all think that the stuff, I, you know, I, I work with businesses and it seems like you too, that you think it happens in this vacuum and, and that, you know, that you just go into a room by yourself and figure all this stuff out. And 
you really got to talk through it, like you said, and experiment and test. But then these miracles happen. And, and I'm sure doing that, did they start to enjoy the business more too? I think they do. And I tell you what else, I think teamwork improves because what happens is the sales team has an idea of who's ideal, but the ops team and the finance team brings reality to who are the better customers on the back end of the sale. And, and, and the salesmen really start to think about who they love. So I think it does. I, I think, you know, you, the owner and the leadership enjoy it better, but I think all the way down to the front lines, when you do people, you do work with people you love, your people feel more appreciated. They feel more valued and then they show up more. So it's, it's definitely this amazing cycle. Um, and then what's even more powerful is you can say no. I mean, I think a lot of people think if they fog a mirror and can pay you the check, you got to say yes, but you don't. No, I love that. I love that because that's what I love about what you're talking about and what you do is you make the business more profitable, but you make them enjoy the business more, which that's why everyone goes in business, right? Make money and, and enjoy their business and have freedom. That's exactly right. I mean, even I'll tell you this much, and I'm so proud of the team, right? Hubbard team really has had some, you know, they've had some of those bottom clients, but but they're, look, they're big clients, okay? But they've at least had the, the, the emotional intelligence and strength and confidence enough to now go to them and at least have the tough conversations. Hey, we're providing you an amazing service, okay? We're doing it in a unique way you love. How about paying on time? How about showing up for our team? And I think, and they've been able to write some of those and they've had to let some of those go and they're okay either way. It's important. Like we, I think people get used to, like you said, if they're paying a check, we've got to do whatever we, we can for them. Well, it's like if they're not paying the check on time or if it, you hate seeing them when they pay the check, well, <laughs> is it really worth it? You no, know, and that's great. And, and so I think one of the most important pieces here too is because this is I you know one of the big themes I think with EOS and also just in general is simple but not easy. Because finding these unique differentiators and taking through this process, we, we just said we'd send in like six minutes, but how long did it take them to, to find that and really refine that and really nail that down? Oh, what a great question. Uh, thank you for bringing that up because, I mean, to, we, we lay the idea out really fast. Okay. We, we get the, we get, we, we get it, you know, we're going to go through about an hour long discussion, 45 minutes hour to kind of get them starting to think that way and to lay out what a marketing strategy is, your ideal client and the message most attractive to them. That's the simplicity. So we kind of get them to lay out the demographic, geographic, psychographic of who that target market is and what those three uniques might be, maybe 80% right in 45 minutes. But then it takes the team 30 days to wordsmith that as the draft that they then go and start experimenting with and honing. So I tell you that probably most teams in 60 to 90 days, I think they have it kind of finalized to where it's usable and they go to market. But I, I'd be I'd be really wrong to say that it takes some teams maybe a year or two to really make it unique and trademark, you know, you can trademark it. Right now, we do something a little bit further than that. I didn't share. We come up with the target market three uniques to develop a proven process of how they deliver those three uniques to develop a guarantee if they want to have it, to alleviate their prospect's number one concern, 
usually that takes sometimes six months to a year to really get that ready and usable and the sales force using it. So you're right. It takes time. Like you don't want to force it. You don't want to just make it up out of nowhere. No. Yeah, and I and I think that's you've got to have that. And I think it's important. I mean, I think having an outside person. That's why I love having implementers on and having that. It, it's so critical for something like this because it's like trying to be your own lawyer or trying to be your own doctor. It, it gets stuck in there. How important? Do you, I mean, obviously you're an implementer. You're going to say it's very important, but have you seen anyone do this really, really well? without having someone from the outside come in and, and, and negotiate it? I've been, so first of all, I'm meeting with my coach tomorrow morning. So I believe in coaching and having an outside resource. Um, but but I will say this, um, it is, I've had the privilege of working probably, I've had the privilege of working with 89 teams to date. And about five or six of those have been true self-implementers that have then come in and asked for my help to kind of make it stronger. And I would just tell you, maybe one of those kind of got it right out of the gate, but most of them needed a lot of work. They, they just didn't, they don't push as hard. It's almost like when I'm training in the weight room and I'm pushing weights and I get five reps out with a trainer, I might get 10. Uh, with me, I get five reps out and my, I'm hurting so much, I might push one or two more out. So it's just like they get there sometimes but they don't understand the power or, or intent of it. So as a teacher, a facilitator, and a coach, we're just able to ask questions they can't ask, dig a little deeper, push them a little further um, to try to help them really dig for that answer that's going to help them the most. And also sometimes the answer is so close to them, right? That, it, that it's so close that it seems too simple. Yes, yes. I agree. It's almost when you're so close to your uniqueness, you think everyone has that, but they don't. And I think, you know, God made each of us so unique. We need other people to really show us that we are, tell us what we are so we can understand how to do it. I think as an implementer, we're doing that for businesses. Businesses are unique. And sometimes an outside person can help them see that. Um, some teams already know it, so I'm not, you know, it's not always needed, but I, I do think you've got a good point. When you're that close, it's sometimes hard to see. I found that all the time, you know, when we when I started the agency a long time ago, and everyone felt like they were going, like I was working with lawyers mainly, and everyone felt like they were going after the same person. And I, was, and I started talking to them like, you all, everyone I talked to is kind of going after someone slightly different. And having someone to outside help you is just, like you said, having coaches is critical. Having someone to talk to about it is critical. And I mean, I don't know any superstar out there that doesn't have several coaches. Do you? <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I don't. And, and But, you know, you said something really good because I'm currently working with an amazing law firm. And I would agree with you. I think people have to understand, give themselves some grace with stages of their business. To me, when you start a business up, if they fog the mirror and you think you can help them, you're going to do business with them. But I think as you evolve and learn more of your uniqueness and who you're better suited to help, that's where that, that's where the uniqueness starts to shine and you realize you can do more help for certain clients. So I do think it takes time. And I think with, with outside help and with a leadership team, you can evolve that marketing strategy to whatever is right for whatever stage of business you're in. I love it. Yeah. And it evolves. Like you were saying, it evolves. And it, that's why people stay with you. You seem like a super nice guy, but I don't think people just give you money because they like you, do they? 
no, they, you know, they give us because we help them get results. But, you know, it's, it's kind of as like, I don't like to teach anything that's not practical. And so, you know, it's not. I mean, we have to enjoy the journey, I think, and enjoy the journey with, with people. But ultimately, I think entrepreneurs, they're trying to take some of lesser value and increase it. They want to, to bring value and they want to get results. So you're exactly right. And we want to show them how to be independent doing that. So that's the coolest thing is we show them a way and then they have a tool they can use for life and they have a new way of looking and seeing things. And it, uh, it provides them, you know, endless opportunities really. That's fantastic. And, you know, love to hear these results, um, like Hubbard, like, and you've got so many results and if you Google, you've got four or five great case stories out there. And so Ben, Working with you, we can go to, if they want to learn about working with you, you can go to esworldwide.com slash Ben Getz. Put a link in the show notes, link down below. You're on LinkedIn as well. We'll make sure to put, is there any place else people should follow you or are those the two best places? Two best places. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I kind of love email. So all I tell people is I'm a phone call away. I'm here to help. So pick up the phone, call me. Um, you know, I think on both of those places, you, you can find a way to reach out to me by phone. Um, obviously, I'm going to check email, send an email if that's best for you, too. But I love to get on the phone and learn about and just figure out how to help. And if I can't help you, I'm going to connect you to someone who can. I mean, that's 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 what we're here for. I love it. I love it. So make sure to check Ben out. Ben, thank you so much for being on the Garlic Marketing Show and, and telling these amazing stories and talking about unique differentiators. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on board and, and uh, thanks for all the great work. Thank you and thanks for taking us on your journey. This has been Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video. You know it will make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads. Better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook. 